Hello, welcome to this week's Opening Bell. I'm Boxing News Editor Tris Dixon, joined by John Denon. John, how's it going? Pretty good, pretty good. Did you enjoy last week's podcast? Uh, I, yes. You're becoming some, something of a regular here. You know I love it here. It's rare. It's a rare pleasure to be to be let out and unleashed on an unsuspecting Let out? Let sat out. right next to me. You're not <laughs> let anywhere. Let out. Oh, okay, let out. Okay, yeah. Okay, um, so it's been a massive week for boxing, one way or another. What's uh, what's been the highlight for you? Well, it's just the resurgence of Miguel Cotto. It was just it was quite a spectacular thing to see. Obviously, you saw it firsthand, but even even just watching him on TV, you look like you look like he meant serious business now. Even you know, even up in the in the middleweight division. Well, I think. Um, Everyone's got their own ideas about this, and whatever way you look at any fight in boxing, there's always a contrary way to look at the situation. Martinez, broken down, shot, over the hill, injury prone, was destroyed. Yeah. <laughs> but do you, do you agree with that? Do you agree with the assessment that that Martinez was a shadow of the Martinez that was fighting three years ago? Or do you agree that Cotto deserves all the credit in the world for taking out the lineal mini middleweight champion. I mean, I don't think he, I mean, he didn't beat a peak Martinez. I think Martinez has struggled with injuries. He's been on the decline over his last couple of fights. Uh, but what Cotto did do was get the right fight at the right time and absolutely take him out in style, um, especially knocking him down so early. So we hadn't even had a chance to see whether his mobility was compromised by his, you know, recovering knees. Um, the fact that once, put, once Cotto put him down so hard, he was just, you know, possibly injured, but clearly stunned as well. The fight was for the middleweight title, 160 pounds. They'd agreed a uh, catch weight, if you will, at 159 pounds. Cotto came in at 155 pounds. What do you make of Cotto coming in so light? Do you think he was trying to match Martinez for speed? suppose he must be unless he just can't put on more weight without it being sort of useless fat really if it's just you know that's maybe the limit to, to what he can go to it, I mean I thought it was interesting that he came down so low and, and, and therefore why he bear in mind there was all, all the talk beforehand was about who was the draw in the fight and who deserved the lion's share of the purse and all, all the rest of it obviously Cotto had the upper hand there was basically boxing's third franchise behind Mayweather and Manny Pacquiao. But Martinez, obviously, as a middleweight champion, was bringing a lot to the table. Um, interesting that Cotto, however, didn't try to make him come down any more from 159 pounds, I thought, particularly seeing as Cotto made it by such a long distance. Yeah, yeah, because presumably he would have had the clout to make more demands if he'd wanted to, but maybe that shows sort of some respect for the title as in he you know he might not he might have only just been above light middleweight but he was fighting a proper middleweight for it it makes you wonder i mean obviously the 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 knockers then who would say well martinez was never a big middleweight anyway he come up from light middleweight which is true but then he fought some big boys at yeah, the weight and he was know. a very good middleweight so yeah and it's not like he'd it's not like he'd shown much sign of faltering at middleweight either really despite having been on the deck a couple of times Obviously, you could say he did it against Martin Murray, but um, 
that was really where the night where I think everything started to age for Martinez, probably mm. that night in Argentina, which was... Possibly the last round against Chavez Jr. because he was sort of imperious until then. Yeah. And then he was suddenly in, in all kinds of off. trouble. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Maybe he's never yeah. really got it, you know, got his mojo back. Possibly. He did take a beating in that last round. Yeah. He was lucky to see out the round. What would you like to see Martinez do next? Mart Martinez, I think, has got to retire. You know, knees are... These can be fragile things at the best of times, and you know, because he, he was really, he, he took a beating and he took it, you know, bravely. But I don't see, and I can't see where where he goes from here. You agree with the timing of the stoppage? Yeah, definitely. I was, you know, surprised to hear like commentators say, like Larry Merchant on the international commentary would say, "Oh, I think a fighter should fight till the end." But well, I'm sure Martinez probably would have done. Like, he's, he, he's he no did coward. protest. Yeah, he protested yeah, but, the stoppage. It's the trainer's job when, the, you know, he, can't, he wasn't going to win from there, he wasn't going to knock him out. I don't see any point mm. in him just, you know, being finished off. What, I mean, what, what, what was your take on it? Well, you have to read the magazine, John, won't you? Um, I have. I have <laughs> yeah. read your Martha's report. Um, yeah, I mean, I agree. I mean, the, the main thing was he hadn't really put a dent in, Marta, in Cotto. So what was there to show that having taken a beating for... Yeah, the duration of the fight, what, what would have made anyone thought he could have turned it around in the last couple of rounds? Was, there'd been no evidence there. Um, so He'd I done really well to make it. Yeah, that I mean, long. He, yeah, I mean, nuts and guts, they call it, when yeah. you survive that long and you're not landing anything. Um, so, yeah, it was a hard night for M Martin, it was very hard. Um, difficult to see where he goes realistically now and what he, what he tries to do, but. Cotto is the man with the options. I mean, he's a guy who's not really signed to anyone. Todd DeBerth at the post-fight press conference was saying that basically he had a handshake agreement with Cotto, and we've learned in the past in boxing, they're not worth the paper they're written on. Um, Cotto's got so many options. Let me put some ideas your way and tell me, if you were Cotto's manager or advisor, would you take them? Ready? Right. Golovkin for the middleweight, undisputed middleweight title. If I was Cotto's manager advisor, I would, I would not advise that. You know, as a fan, it'd be a great fight, but if I was on Team Cotto, I think, yeah, maybe not. A rematch with Manny Pacquiao. <sighs> Bear in mind they've got the same training, it becomes very unlikely. Yeah, but yeah, I, probably not. Okay. Um, Okay, the obvious one is a rematch with Floyd Mayweather. I'd say, yeah, that's got to be the one you want. That's the most lucrative fight out there. He, he gave him a good, you know, decent fight first time around. I think it'd be a huge event second time around for a middleweight title as well as Mayweather. Mayweather's got what light middle and welterweight belt belts at the same time. So it's sort of the, it's, it's a historical fight in the So it'd be the opportunity for Mayweather to run but be the be recognised as a champion at Welter, like middle and middleweight, yeah. uh, three divisions at one time. Oh. Do you think Mayweather would go for that? And I mean, obviously, Cotto only came in at one five five for that title, so you could see Mayweather could say, "Well, okay, you make one five five again, and we'll put all, put that belt on the line." Yeah, I think that that should be the fight Mayweather wants most of all. If I was Floyd Mayweather, because he needs, if he wants a legacy, or if he wants a great legacy, and to be remembered you know, in boxing history. He needs these sort of things to, to peg it on. He's got to stay undefeated. If he's not going to fight the Manny Pacquiao's of this world, he needs to sort of win titles 
at different weights. And this is, you know, this is a great opportunity for Mayweather to sort of stamp his name in history. If I was him, I'd want the Cotto fight now more than any other. Do you think this Cotto reborn version Mark II under Freddie Roach at middleweight gives Mayweather a harder fight next time? Probably, possibly, yeah. I mean, I don't think it'll be vastly different to the first time around, but if, if Mayweather's sort of is declining a little bit, you know, Cotto seems full of beans, um, then yeah, it could be a bit harder. I think it's a, probably, it probably wouldn't be a hard fight to call. Everyone would expect Mayweather to win, but I think, especially after, like if Mandana could give him slightly a hard time, then the new Cotto surely can. Feel free to say no. Did you read the interview I did with Freddie Roach online? Uh, which one? The Mayweather short one? Yes. Yeah, I posted it on the yeah. website for you. You did that? Yeah. I didn't know you, re you read it. I saw it was posted. Well, I, I sub-edit your stuff very carefully. Yeah, <laughs> so, Fine, too. Yeah. Thanks, mate. Yeah, I'm, yeah, no, I did. I did I so, because obviously Freddie Roach, who's training Cotto, is very much of the opinion, and the story is on our website, that Floyd Mayweather's legs have gone, that he's shot, that he's not engaging people for the fans, but because he just can't move anymore like he used to. Um, do you think that's the case? And if that is the case, then that, then no wonder they want the Mayweather fight. Yeah. Well, I think shot is a pretty yeah, extreme way of putting that, it, sure. but... Legs are going. Yeah, well, he's gone. slowing down a bit and isn't, isn't as mobile. Possibly that's true, but then against Alvarez, he was fantastic and then just dipped a bit against Maidana. So I don't know if it's the sign of a you know, a consistent decline, but he certainly wasn't as good last time out. And all, I mean, do you think Freddie Roach was saying that just to, you know, start off his campaign to, to go to Mayweather and try and get the fight? Freddie loves a bit of controversy, for sure. You know, he, he generally says the right things about that to get a fight, so. Um, interesting, interesting, I mean, you know, there's evidence to support Freddie's claims, but I think you have to look beyond that. Like you said, the Alvarez fight was only a few months ago and he didn't look anywhere near washed up in that. Which brings me actually onto the next question related to something that we were just talking about. Cotto, interest in the Alvarez fight if you're his promoter? Yeah, it's another big fight. I mean, it surprised me that our readers, that's the fight they wanted to see most of all. I, I think, that's the, most, me, I think that's the most fan-friendly fight though. Yeah. More than Golovkin, because I think Golovkin's too big. More than Pacquiao, because we've been there, seen it, done it. And it's unlikely because Freddie's training both. More than Mayweather because, you know, people, you know, well, I don't think people think it would be a particularly even fight, you know, or I, th I think people still think Mayweather's a class above. The most fan-friendly fight, I think, out of the, the, out of the options would be Canelo. Yeah, that's probably the closest, closest providing, match, isn't it? Providing Canelo comes through Lara, which is no gimme. Yeah, yeah. So interesting options there for, for Cotto. Does, do you think Cotto beats Canelo? That's a really tough one, isn't it? Um, I'd really like to see the fight. I mean, I, it looked like they were on a collision course, didn't it, until Cotto lost to Austin Trout a year or two ago. Um, I don't know. This rejuvenated to Cotto quite possibly would do. Maybe, maybe if it's made at middleweight too. Um, but I don't know, Canelo's a, a big light middle, isn't he? You know, we talked about him making the weight for the Mayweather fight in depth at the time. And um, 
you know, that, that he was struggling. So he is a middleweight in waiting. Um, I don't know, it's a really interesting fight. It's probably hardest to call. That's probably why most people want to see it, yeah, yeah. I would say. On the undercard in Madison Square Garden, by the way, I'll just say this. Um, I had a very interesting chat with um, Mike Tyson on Saturday morning. We got on the same flight and um, it was absolutely um, fascinating spending some time with Mike, who was um, really interesting. We he was with his wife, Kiki, two children, I think Kiki's parents maybe. Um, but yeah, that was that was um, fascinating. Uh, to spend some time, almost some non-boxing time with a guy, you know, rather so, so you haven't got your, so you're not interviewing him all the time. But he was very graciously taking pictures with fans, and when after he got on the plane, there was like a buzz, a whole buzz around the gate, saying, you know, with people on their phones telling people, I just met Mike Tyson, I just had my picture taken with Mike Tyson. It was like a real buzz going through the airport. It's, you know, it's just one of those things that you don't see every day. Sometimes I think. You might think Tyson's a rather, rather surly guy, and he's obviously got that side to him. But on that particular day, he stopped for everybody and posed for pictures. In fact, funny enough, I saw him arriving at the airport, and this is, I suppose this is what it's like to be someone like him. I saw the limousine pulling up, and it was from the Turning Stone. I guessed Tyson was in it, because I knew he was flying down for the fight too, for Cotto Martinez. So I assumed that he was flying down then. Um, and as he went to step out of the limousine, just, I've got no idea where they came from, but there was about a dozen Tyson diehard fans <laughs> who just appeared, and they had like Tyson memorabilia, Tyson t-shirts, Tyson posters, Tyson magazines. How, if, whether they'd staked out the turning stone and were lying in wait, or they, they'd read the tweet that he was gonna be flying down to New York, I don't know, but how they got all their bits together and got there and were waiting for him. It just shows that it's quite difficult for him. Mm. You know, it's, it wasn't a pleasant scene to welcome you at the, at the airport, let's say that. Um, but I, and I don't know exactly what he did with those guys because I'd already gone in and checked <laughs> in. But by the time he got through, he was perfectly happy and like I said, happy to sign. Or I'm not sure I saw him sign anything, but do he did a lot of pictures for everyone who stopped him and obviously, I suppose that's got to be the bane of a celebrity's life now, the mobile phone <laughs> and selfies and all that sort of thing. Because obviously years ago, people just couldn't stop and take pictures of themselves with people. Now, obviously, yeah. they've got, everyone's got a camera on them. But on, an, on another note, going back to the garden, I saw one of the most thrilling turnarounds I've ever seen when Andy Lee starched John Jackson. I mean, it was a thrilling fight, and, and the, the, the come-from-behind knockout from Andy Lee, who was ecstatic, and so was Adam Booth. They've been on a real journey together. Um, I, I just, yeah, it was, it was one of those knockouts and turnarounds where people, not me, but people, were involuntarily leapt out of their seats. They were so shocked by what they'd seen, you know, all the neutral, impartial judges around me were, like, up in arms, like, oh, my God. God, yeah. you know, it was such a spectacular turnaround. What do you make of Andy Lee now? What do you, where do you reckon he goes from here? It looks like he's going to be a factor at light middleweight. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure. I didn't think he was a, a small middleweight, so I thought it might be quite tough for him to get down to light middle, but he appears to have made it. Um, you know, it's about time. I'd like to see him, you know, against one of the world champions who's out there at light middle that would be a good fight. Obviously, we've got Rose Andrade coming up. 
Yeah, you've got those guys. I'm not sure he'd blend particularly well style-wise with them. You've got Canelo out there, you've got Lara. Um, it's become increasingly competitive as a lot of the welterweight guys have moved up and now obviously you've got Andy dropping down, which should in theory give him some size over some of the, the people who have moved up. But yeah, it's a tough it's a tough division out there, but unfortunately it takes them away from some of the domestic fights that we've been talking about over the years. So Martin Murray again, Matthew Macklin again, mm. you know, with him moving down and weight. Yeah. You know, it just seems like an era that we're, where we're destined to miss a load of nice big fights. Yeah, yeah. And also with, you know, with someone like Canelo, he's going to be in the big glamorous fights, and I'm not sure if Andy Lee's going to get in, get into that mix. Yes. Yeah. So it makes you same with the same go for for Cotto. With with Andy Lee, it makes you wonder. You know, the size discrepancy against Chavez when he fought Chavez, and we all know how big he was at middleweight and how big he's become. And if Lee can go the other way and get smaller, you know, the natural size difference between him and Chavez is probably fairly astonishing. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yes, yeah, so it was an interesting night, big bill, and I've been, I suppose, fortunate enough to see some massive knockouts this year. Um, I was obviously at Frotch Groves, where there was a fairly definitive ending. Yeah. Um, I was in Ireland when Carl Frampton beat Cazares and there were two crunching knockouts on the bill, Steve Normand and, and one other, the name escapes me. Um, and I was in um, upstate New York where I saw Leo Hall flatten Bob Wilder in 49 seconds. And it might, might be the knockout that's, that's even usurped Frotch Groves for the most devastating I've seen. Um, it was a crunching knockout, but all those punches in their own rights have been spectacular. I think there might even be one or two other shows where I've seen some really big knockouts. I think there's four or five that stand out this year alone. Um, one thing I did want to say actually, John, I know you know a bit about him, but Felix Verdejo, the Puerto Rican prospect, Madison Square Garden was half full or half empty, depending on what your glass looks like, when he, when he came, to the, came into the arena and the noise was absolutely deafening. And Cotto seems to think that he's the heir apparent and the next day at the Hall of Fame, um, Felix Trinidad, who was getting inducted, said that Vadejo, who actually went up to the Hall of Fame the day after, said that Vadejo is the next big Puerto Rican star. A lot of pressure when you got Cotto and Trinidad sort of uh, saying what you're going to go on and achieve, but Vadejo, really looked a, a fantastic prospect to me. What do you make of him and what have you seen of him? Yeah, well I think he's sort of, because he's quite young isn't he, but he made, he sort of caught the people talking about him at, at the Olympics because he, uh, you know, he gave Lomachenko a good go I think and he was one, one of the ones people sort of picked out as he'd be a good pro prospect, which clearly he's turning out to be. He's really sort of obliterating people in, in style. And the fact that there's already this buzz about him is a great sign for the future. It's brilliant that there's a sort of an heir apparent coming up as well. So it's pretty exciting that you know we can all already see one of you know the next big star developing. Even though the arena had only half the people in, the noise that was made for Vadejo was right up there with what was made for Cotto. And in fact, going back to Cotto, you know we talked about his demands and that he thought he was the star of the show. One thing that was really interesting is he comes out to the White Stripes Seven Nation Army Cotto and they played that song and he didn't appear. There was no it was nowhere to be seen, but then it was like a prelude song. It was like, you know, when 
Carl Froch came down to We Will Rock You and then it segued into Shoot to Kill yeah. a couple of weeks ago. Well, the, the shoot, the, the We Will Rock You bit was Cotto's Seven Nation Army, but then rather than have a second song, it just went black and there was no music and Cotto just walked like an old school <laughs> gladiator down to the ring, no music, no fanfare, nothing. And I, you know, whether or not he was making a point, uh, I'm not sure. I think the whole thing was that he was just focused on the fight and nothing else. Obviously, after the fight with Frotch and Groves, Frotch was saying how George Groves had been rehearsing his elaborate ring entrance the morning of the fight on the double-decker bus and everything like that. Um, and it makes you realise that Cotto, you know, such a true pro, just stalked his way down to the ring, didn't need any of the fanfare and stuff. And the place went wild because of it. Yeah. And going back to that, um, the negotiation between Cotto and Martinez, there was speculation that week that Martinez, even though he was the champion, was being made to walk first and would be announced first. But as it was on the night, that wasn't the case. Um, Cotto walked down first and was announced first. But it's strange because they, pre they were pretty much set in all the sort of HBO programming they were doing beforehand. They had this sort of, you know, in the face-to-face, the -face, they were saying Cotto was going to come out second and in 24-7, um, I think, as well. I wonder why, that, whether they weren't telling the truth then or whether they changed it at the last minute or what happened there. Yeah, I'm not exactly sure what happened, but I mean, it surprised people when we got the when we got the bout sheets through and said, and it's and it told us that that Cotto would be coming out first because that wasn't what anyone was expecting. Whether he just thought it doesn't matter to me in the end, yeah. um, you know, I'll beat him whatever you know whenever I walk out. Uh, that might have been the case, um, but yeah, it was a great night in Madison Square Garden. I hope you guys enjoy reading the report. In fact, I mentioned I was at the Hall of Fame. Um, Something I will say, it's, it shows the strength of this podcast and the popularity of this podcast. And I can say that, I don't really want it to sound like an ego thing, because it's not me, because obviously you and Matt do a lot of work on it, Danny has too. Um, but um, I got recognised yeah. by someone in New York um, by a boxing fan from Wisconsin who, um, who listens to the podcast and he sort of happily showed me on his um, list of downloads the Boxing News podcast, which which was brilliant. So, just uh, just goes to show that Boxing News is getting everywhere these days, which is brilliant. In fact, what I noticed when we're getting close to the million mark on Facebook as well, so that that's going to be another big landmark for us. Um, on this side of the the pond, Stewie Hall lost his title to in his first defence to Paul Butler. Um, how impressed are you by Paul Butler? Yeah, he's looked he's looked quality, and especially. Like, Stepping up and wait, you know, for a world title fight. I think Stewie Hall, a late bloomer in the sport, had looked better and better with you know a great win to get the title. So it's really a really respectable win for Paul Butler, especially as he sort of won the early rounds and had to, had to dig in there as the bigger man came on strong. Butler's sort of done everything that's been asked of him and done it fantastically well. Um, where would you like to see Butler go now? I would like to see him fight Jamie McDonnell, I think. You know, McDonnell was stripped of the belt, Butler now has. Um, and it would be, uh, you know, that would add an element of, you know, an, an element to a fight between them. Like, McDonnell wants to get back what he feels is his. 
but there's obviously stamped his authority on it. It's a hard fight to make though, because I'm not sure where it's, you know, where like Dennis Hobson, who's Jamie McDonald's former promoter, stands. Is he still McDonald's manager? Now McDonald's with a rival promoter, matchroom. It's pretty complicated, even though both sides are saying offers have been made. You know, I think this year we're seeing lots of big British fights. Why not keep, keep that going? Yeah, talk of big British fights. There is continuous talk now that the Scott Quigg Carl Frampton fight is going to happen at some point. Uh, Frampton obviously will have to beat Kiko Martinez first. Whether Quigg fights again or not before then, we'll have to see. Um, but, I mean, how do you, what do you think about this? If they're going to do a deal, how about doing two fights? One in Manchester, one in Ireland, two fight deal. Makes sense to me, that'd be perfect. Uh, and maybe fit one in before the end of this year and one in the spring next year. And if both fights are close and they're really big, then you can have the third fight outdoors in the summer. Yeah. 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 And everyone's a winner. Um, on that undercard, by the way, in, in uh, Newcastle, which looked like a really good show, um, Oval Mackenzie stunned John Lewis De Dickinson. You can't write Oval Mackenzie off, can you? No, I mean, I have, I have done, but he keeps proving me wrong. And again, I, wouldn't have, I would have expected John Lewis Dickinson to win this. Um, but again, the upsetter has done his thing. It's astonishing, isn't it? His list of, his list of victims is growing and growing and growing with upset victories. Really, yeah, on. I was going to say Tony Belly survived, surviving the yeah, first five well, that, you know, that Looks win, better and better. Yeah, I was going to say, that win does look better and better. Um, elsewhere, what else has been going on um, that you've been working on in particular, John? Uh, we've been working on the power list for next week's issue, sort of doing bits and pieces on that. Um, it's become quite big actually, our power list of the 50 most influential people in the, in the sport. Is there anyone that you, that you would have put on the list who's not on the list that you've seen? Is that giving things away if I start? If you say someone who's not on the list, maybe. Um, Without including yourself? No, well, yeah, or, or me for that matter. You know, our time hasn't come yet. <laughs> but we're, we're working our way out. Top yeah. 2000 now, I think, maybe. Uh, I suppose, yeah, well, I thought he was the ones who haven't made it, who might have made it. You know, Carl Froch hasn't made it, but he's in, he's sort of at the top of the world at the moment. Clearly appearing, shout, yeah. well, appearing on this tumble BBC gymnastics programme is probably going to undermine him a little bit. Have you seen that? I haven't seen that. Now, what's he doing? Apparently, I find it hard to believe, but apparently there's a celebrity gymnastics programme, which I guess would be like one of these dancing things. A bit like Splash, but with gymnastics. Yeah. Wow. And Carl Foch is on there. Interesting. Interesting. Anyway, back to the power list. Yeah. Um, what else has been going on? Oh, there's an amazing Paul Williams feature. Actually, no, genuinely, there is, your, your Paul Williams feature in this week's issue of the magazine is, a, is an excellent read. I know I have to say that because you're my boss, but on this occasion, I genuinely mean it. So. <laughs> okay, on this occasion. <laughs> in future ones, you won't, but on this one, okay. No, it was, um, I think I spoke about it on the podcast at the time, and I'm pleased, to, pleased it's out there now. Um, I did spend the morning with Paul Williams, um, the day that Mayweather actually fought Marcus Maidana um, and that's now um, out there so I'd love you guys to either pick up the current issue or download it to read the Paul Williams piece. It's um, uh, one of the pieces as a journalist I, I found the most rewarding to, to, to work on by far. Um, 
it's been um, it was really emotional and, and I've spoken to Paul but I've interviewed him many times in the past interviewed him before the accident and I've interviewed him over the phone after the accident but it's the first time since the accident where I've really got to sit down and go through everything with him and there's some really sobering harsh lines in there some very inspirational stuff too but some really sort of sad sad stuff you know and, and how he's goals and targets have sort of changed as he goes along so um, yeah I'd, I'd ask you guys to download the app or, or pick up the mag to see how the Punisher's getting on because I think it covers all the boxes obviously I was in Canastota last weekend for the Boxing Hall of Fame too um, and I've been going there since 2000 on and off um, a lot of the people who were going there when I started have since passed away it's really quite sad they had a Ten bell salute for Mill Griffiths, Matthew Saar, Mohammed, uh, Mickey Duff, uh, and one or two others. But those three for sure were all there the first year I was there. Um, many, many more have passed away since then. So in a way, it's quite sad going back there because you all. I remember the first day I ever went there. The first morning I arrived at the Hall of Fame. I was sat around a table and it was literally just the four of us. So it was me, Eddie Futch, Angelo Dundee, and Kid Gavilan. Wow. And you know where else in the world can you get that and those guys have been regulars up there for so long that no one was really bothering them no one was really surrounding them no one was crowding them so it's just us sat there chatting and it's just just yeah just a different just very different environment for boxing up there but it was great I spent some good time with Joe Calzaghe I've done a big summer feature with him uh, which will go in possibly in early August in the magazine. Also spent time with Mickey Ward, who, I who was my first ever interview subject for Boxing News as oh well. Right. Um, so it was good to spend some good time with Mickey. Things have certainly changed for him since we first met. Obviously he's now the, the subject of the, the film The Fighter, which stars Mark Wahlberg and Christian Bale. And I tell you what, one of the things that I found most interesting, although not top, top tier stuff in the States, was being able to talk freely with Charlie Fitch, the referee who looked after Carl Frotch, George Groves, because over there they allow their officials to talk to the, to the media. Um, and it was really interesting. The story's in the mag this week, and there's some stuff online. Um, but Charlie Fitch talking about what it was like being the third man for Groves, Frotch. A really good, unusual look. And I mean, I'd implore the British Boxing Border Control to allow their officials to, to do this, because I think it really, really adds to. Um, the breadth of coverage that boxing gets and also the level of understanding mm. for officials from the, f to see things from, from their perspective. Yeah, I don't think there's any need to hide officials away. I think the more openness, just the more clarity you get. You know, when there's silence, that vacuum gets filled by, by noise. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I mean, if, if Howard Foster had been able to come out and nip things in the bud, Really, I mean, there's obviously I'm not saying there wouldn't have been controversy, there would have been, but it would have been able to explain certain things and, and all the rest. Mm -hmm. I actually feel Howard Foster was quite vindicated given what happened on the actual night of the rematch too. Yeah, yeah, poor old Howard Foster, he got sort of unfairly vilified, so I think he was... Well, well, he disagreed. Death threats and everything. Yeah, it was just outraged. And he had to be, like, I remember at, at the time, he had to be sort of rushed, you know, while the crowd was in uproar, he had to be sort of rushed out of the ring, which is just sad to see. Because what, you know, what, whether you agree with him or, or not, I know most people don't, he was still doing it for the best of reasons, which was the welfare of a fighter. Yeah. And, you know, it allowed us to have that, you know, all those questions 
set up the huge event that was the rematch. Yeah, if it wasn't for Howard Foster, it would, you know, we probably wouldn't have filled Wembley Stadium. No, so. Definitely. Well, you say we would have filled. Well, I mean, we didn't play a massive part in it. Well, we? you know, we played a significant <laughs> part in it. We helped. Yeah, we helped. We ran a big preview. Yeah. Um, okay, <laughs> so this weekend in New York, um, there's a couple of fights. Demetrius Andrade against Brian Rose uh, and Ruslan Provodnikov against Chris Algieri. Which fight do you prefer? Which fight will be closer? And which fight will deliver the fireworks? I think you've got to look like Provodnikov, he's like, such a savage in the ring. Like, everyone wants to see him fight. So I think that's probably on the bill. I'm, I'm more excited about that. British interest is in Brian Rose. He is big underdog there. He's you know, one of the nice guys in boxing. I think a lot of people would like to see him do well. But it's going to be hard. Interestingly, I think he's got sort of a world-class weapon in his armory. Like everyone talks about his jab. I know people have used him for sparring because his jab is so well respected. But I don't know if that's good. that alone. That alone isn't going to be enough to beat to beat Andrade. Andrade slick, dangerous. Probably his best win was over uh, Martirosian. Brian Rose, who beat Messiel, who was actually on the New York bill um, in Madison Square Garden, might be his best win. Um, Seems to be Brian found a level at European level, a good level, but it's I think it's gonna I think Andrade is a level above that and I think it's gonna be really, really difficult for him out there. You think that you know, when you look at the stars as well, I mean Andrade would be a nightmare for pretty much anyone, won't he? Yeah, yeah. But do you think it's gonna be an exciting fight or do you think stylistically it's gonna be a bit of a, a difficult mesh? Um, yeah, I think it will be a difficult mesh. So I think Andrade I think Andrade's just got the class to, to make it his kind of fight, which I think will be a dull fight. Um, I, think his, I think his speed and movement will be the difference. Uh, I think Rose has got the heart, the bottle, the courage, whatever you need in those departments. He's got it all there, but when it comes to speed and slickness, um, I think Andrade's going to have too much and be able to move too well. I'm not sure Brian's going to be able to cut the ring off. Uh, for all 12 rounds, I think he's going to have a hard night, I do. Yeah, yeah. There's um, a really good guest column in this week's magazine with Darren Barker talking about you know, what it takes to go to the States and win over there and win a world title, which is sort of, you know, very relevant to this particular fight. Yeah, especially with Barker, because he's obviously won and lost on the road, hasn't he? Yeah. So it's interesting. I wonder if there'll be people out there who wonder if um, Martinez did what, people, what, what critics say Barker did against um, Sturm and basically was injured and ended up cashing out. What? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, sorry, Sergio Martinez. Yeah, Sergio Martinez, um, you know, people saying that he was injured and in no, no fit state to fight Cotto despite everything that we heard in the contrary. I think people might see Martinez as cashing out with that big fight the same way people see that Barker cashed out with a stern fight before retiring. Maybe, maybe. I mean, Certainly, Bark was convincing that everything was fine in the build-up. I think maybe it's just once the pressure's really on, then you know that exerts a strain on your body that you can't replicate in training, and that you know maybe they can. I wonder if he's convinced himself on. having seen Sturm and Solomon as well. He might be now, might he, Darren? Yeah, but I'm really surprised Sturm lost to Solomon because um, Sturm, you know, for, for as long as it lasted against Bark, Sturm had looked really good. Yeah. But yeah, I suppose, yeah, and with Martinez, yeah, I mean, we did know about the injuries. It might just be he could, you know, he got back in the best shape he could have got to, but that wasn't, you know, that, was, that wasn't enough. Yeah, okay, fair enough. 
All right, John. Well, on that happy note, I think we will leave it there. Um, guys, we are coming up to the summer months uh, where there's less and less action uh, to preview and write reports on, which means we're going to have to have uh, a lot of tasty big features in. If there's anyone that you want interviews with in Boxing News or any type of features you want to, what you want to read in Boxing News, um, hashtag the name of the fighter or the uh, or the the type of interview or the type of feature you'd like to read and uh, hashtag it to the Boxing News Ed account, send it in and we'll take it into consideration. Like I said, the next couple of months are quiet, generally quiet on fight action. There are a few big fights coming up where we've got, it looks like Brooke Porter's gonna be on, where we've got Canelo fighting uh, Erislande Lara, um, and of course, Chisora and Fury. So there's some, there are some big fights out there, but there's less and less shows to cover um, throughout the next couple of months. So by all means, send any feature ideas uh, our way. Uh, John, it's been a pleasure. Thanks very much for having me. Enjoy it when you next go to a show. Do you know yet? Uh, I think our next out, Glasgow for Ricky Burns. Okay, good stuff. All right, um, so speak to you on the other side of that. Yeah. <laughs> no, thanks for joining me, John. And guys, thanks a lot for listening. And if you're anywhere in the Wisconsin area, thanks for coming up yeah. to me and, um, and speaking at the Hall of Fame. Uh, until next week, guys. <laughs>